Every year I get some dumb bunny to do my work for me. Uh -huh. It's Easter Rabbit, hooray! Making life funny, hooray! Phooey! I'm glad I don't have to do this for a living. Coming to you from an undisclosed location, thousands of fathoms beneath the sea, this is the Deep Dive Podcast. All ahead, one-third, off scope. Battle stations. Battle stations! Hello, divers, and welcome to yet another episode of the Deep Dive Podcast. They said it wouldn't last, and they still might be right. Uh, well, who knows? Only time will tell. But we're here now for your entertainment. We're here for you. We care about you. Of course we are. We are. We're so kind. Exactly, exactly. We do this selflessly mm -hmm, mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. we don't get paid for it, even though we would if someone would pay us to do it. I mean, if they did, I would probably spend more than like five minutes on my research. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I know. But here we are, lazy, <laughs> shiftless unyielding. Mm. This is what we do. Mm -hmm. And speaking of what we do, my name is Tom Feeney. I am a writer for Wingshop Movie Magazine, now available on Amazon.com. New issue should be appearing whenever it does. Uh, we will let you know. And with me, as always, is... Tom Feeney. Oh, uh, sorry. Manda. Manda. Yeah. Yes. That's you. That's me. Yep. That's you. That's me. Um, I'm good at making brownies. Yep. Yep. And I've done really well at cleaning the ship or the... Uh, submersible, as it were. Wait, you make brownies? Yeah. Uh, you, I've never, you've never made yes. brown. I've never had them. Yeah, maybe. Never mind. I forgot how to make them. Tragedy. Wow, I'm feeling a little left out. Well, considering there's only two of us down here. <laughs> oh, I get it. So you make the brownies and you eat the brownies. That is truth. Yep. 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 Wow. That's I always mean. wanted to be the brownies when I was a kid. Is that the girl one? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I always wanted to be a brownie, but it never panned out. Wait, was that a was that a brownie pun? <laughs> Today I learned something new. There are brownie puns. Brownie puns. Wow. You're welcome. That's dark. Yeah. Oh, the dark edges are always the best. Mm, I don't know. I kind of have to disagree with that. Really? You like the fudgy middle? I do. Oh. I've always liked the fudgy middle. Yeah. I guess it's I'm not surprised. That's what my proctologist says anyway. Oh, gross. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the big <sighs> shout out to Dr. Jellyfinger, my proctologist. <laughs> Anyways. But, well, since now we've gotten this off to a really tasteful start. Yeah. yeah. This is our Easter episode. You happy Easter. Happy Easter to all of you. Whether or not you celebrate Easter in the traditional sense or you just like going out looking for eggs, this is for you. Mm-hmm. You know, we appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we were going to explore the possibility of doing a, a Passover episode, but we just kind of Passed over it? Yes, thank you. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Took you a minute. I did. It, honestly, it did. Too many brownies. Too many? Yeah, oh, <laughs> those kind of brownies. <laughs> no. I had, that, is, that is legal in the state of Massachusetts, where we are broadcasting from. Yeah. In the beautiful Studio D. Thanks You're underneath to satellites. The ocean. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's, uh, you know, Easter is, a, is an important part of uh, many people's lives, mm -hmm. especially for those who only go to church twice a year, one of them being Easter, the other Christmas. Christmas, right. <laughs> Which is a thing, you, you know, know I mean, and that's okay. To each your own, yeah. yeah. Right. If you want to be a, a, a bad Christian, that's up to you. Yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> There's no judgment here. No, of course not. I mean, the Catholic Church and the Christian Church, nothing is ever about judgment with them. No, no. God, no. Yeah. God, no. What? Mm. Confused. But Easter, there's some interesting things about Easter. You know, mm. There's some uh, facts mm -hmm. I have dug up, <laughs> like so many rotten eggs left after years Ew. of not being found. Ew. Yeah. yeah. This is why I think people use those uh, plastic eggs now. Yeah. Because they're, you know. So simultaneously not Earth-friendly, but also Earth-friendly? In a way, I yeah. guess more Earth-friendly because, I don't know, I mean, eggs are kind of compostable. True. Yeah. So... You're actually being more environmentally friendly if you leave a real egg out. You know, I have seen farmers who will take the eggs, the shells from the eggs that they get from their hens, grind them up, and feed them back to the 
uh, hens. Isn't that how you get mad cow? Um, no, but okay. I, what I think it does do is it adds an extra layer of calcium to their diet, so the shells around the eggs are stronger. Interesting. Yeah. You know, and there are people who actually uh, take eggshells, crush them, and put it in their coffee maker. Their coffee maker to make, it says that they, some people swear it makes good coffee when you add eggshells to coffee grounds. Ew. Yeah, I don't know why that's a thing or if it's even, you know, any good, but I have heard that. I'm never drinking coffee at your house. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's fine. Well, I never offered. <laughs> I only use instant anyway. Oh, yeah. That's just me. We did say we were lazy. Yeah. I mean, although even though there is a Starbucks bathysphere like a few fathoms away, they're so snobby. I can't afford it. It's I know, right? Right. I just can't. I have a theory hmm. about Starbucks is that they make their regular real coffee taste terrible so that you have to spend the extra money. <gasps> To buy their, like, expensive, like, flavored drinks, wow. like the artisan barista stuff. The $12. Yeah. Yeah. So they wow. intentionally make their actual regular coffee terrible. So you have to pony up the dough for something that's, like, way too sweet and, you know, fancy for me. Hmm. That's why you got to go to Dunks, baby. <laughs> it's dunks. just Dunks now, isn't it? Just Dunks. Not Dunkin' Donuts. Dunks. Dunks. Yeah, like, guy. Like Gronks. Oh, Dunks. Rest, rest in peace. What? Yeah. Anyways, continue. You had Easter facts. Oh, yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> Back on track here. So this is interesting hmm. that the uh, chocolate Easter egg, which has become a perennial treat, you know, uh, those like awful Brock's hollow eggs that are just oh, no, 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 no. terrible chocolate. If you're going to do that, you got to go for Cadbury's. You got to go for Cadbury's. And the caramel one. Yeah. Which is interesting that you mentioned Cadbury's because Cadbury's is a British chocolate yes. maker. Yes, and the, the Cadbury's we get in the States is really not right, right. real. Yeah, it's not. No. no. But that takes me to the first manufacturer of chocolate Easter eggs was actually in the UK. The first one was produced by a company named Fries of Bristol back in 1873. Hmm. The first chocolate egg. I don't think I've ever been to Bristol. Really? Never been to Bristol, Maine. That doesn't count. Though. No, fair enough. No, no. So 1800s, huh? Yeah, you would think. I mean, it's like that's a long time ago. Chocolate yeah. eggs, you know. Totally. Yeah. I wonder how they did that too. Like if they like sort of hollowed out old, you know, real eggs, pour the chocolate in, and let it set. You know. That's a good question. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that they knew about they knew of molds. Oh yeah. You know, mold that's technology true. has advanced quite a bit, but still. They must have had molds back in the 19th century. Yeah, molds grow. Yeah, mm. not that thinking of that kind no, of. No, no, no. Okay, never mind. Yeah. So <laughs> speaking of chocolate Easter eggs, right? Oh, yeah. The tallest chocolate Easter egg ever was made in Italy in the year 2011. So pretty recently. It was about 10.39 meters in height. That's pretty big. And it weighed 7,200 kilograms. What's that, like 15 feet? Something like that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I've never been a fan of the metric system. Why can't we just get on board with the rest of the world? Because they're wrong and we're right. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll yeah, accept that. Yeah, that's the American way. Just tell me something. I'll accept it. That's right. Yeah. So it was actually, uh, the egg, the chocolate egg was actually taller mm. than a giraffe mm. and heavier than, than an, an elephant. elephant. Yeah, wow. see that? See that? I don't know what that is in dinosaur terms. You probably do. Yeah. But well, yeah. Uh, I don't know how that works. Yeah. Maybe like a diplodocus and, I don't know, like a plesiosaur or something. Like a knight. Yeah. Uh, actually, a plesiosaur is not actually a dinosaur, but I'll get into that. Oh, uh, the plesiosaurus is they're so eager. <sighs> they're just so eager to plesiosaurus. <laughs> Can we do an episode about dinosaurs and about prehistoric movies? Because I would love that. Yeah, I'm sure you would. Uh, next, <laughs> for, uh, my next fact oh, yeah. is about the Easter Bunny. Oh, Easter so Bunny. So cute. So the tradition of the Easter Bunny, uh, typically, I mean, the whole thing about Easter has been, you know, uh, it was originally you know, spring, fertility. That's why the egg is, is a symbol of Easter. Mm. And then, of course, it was co-opted by, you know, the Christians uh, and, and turned into the religious feast day. That right. it is today. Right. But like Christmas, there is the secular side and the religious side. Sure. But Easter Bunny, of course, goes more towards the secular because you don't see bunnies on crosses. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I mean, because that would be very disturbing. Yeah. Wouldn't it? But the whole tradition of the Easter Bunny also came to uh, America fairly early. It was during the 18th century. 
But it did originate, it's believed, in Europe, where it was actually, the, the original name was the Easter Hare. Okay. You know, H-A-R-E. Yeah. And so other traditions that came from Europe uh, included the Easter bonnets, making Easter baskets, and having Easter egg hunts. That all came oh. uh, from Europe. Yeah, I but guess now, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, exactly. That's so really cool. Yeah, there's some uh, there's some interesting things about Easter. Yeah. You know? I always wonder how bunnies, like, you know, are so limber and fast. I imagine they have to do a lot of exercise. Oh, dear. <laughs> I was hoping to avoid this. Well, I mean, it's in our contract. It I is? Have, I haven't read it. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I... I was writing up the contract yesterday, and I figured I would just add this little anecdote in. I can add puns in whenever I think of them. Okay, I'm going to have that uh, reviewed. Okay, fair enough. Because we don't, you know, this is not the place or time for these puns when we're doing our Easter egg extravaganza. Oh, what are you, a practical yoker? Oh, man. <laughs> All this and more on our latest albumin. Is it albumin? I don't know. This is bad. You know, eggs are actually pretty sanitary until they touch the egg, like the shell. So Rocky could drink them and not get sick. Like you don't get salmonella, salmonella from raw eggs. You get it from like raw chicken and stuff. Yes, because I mean, you know where eggs come out of, so. Oh, yeah. Chickens. Yeah. 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 Chicken butts. Chicken butts. Chicken butts. <laughs> mm -mm. That's good eating. Uh, Nothing okay. like a chicken butt. Oh, gross. Ugh. So Anyways. our topic, of course, as we said, is Easter. So we're going to talk about Easter-themed movies or Easter-related, potentially. Hmm, yeah. Uh, so let's start off. Manda, what do you have for us? Totally. You know, I it was definitely hard to stay within the Easter genre and sort of not go into the more religious side of things. Yeah. Because you have the, you know, you have two sort of sides of it, I think. There's two schools of thoughts here. You've got, like... You know, silly bunny Peter Cottontail movies for children, um, and like Veggie Tales, and then you've got like God no Passion of the Christ. So that spectrum it seemed to be quite large, but I wanted to make sure I got somewhere kind of in the middle. Okay. So <clears throat> my first one, I'll be honest, not so much Eastery, but kind of like the whole kind Eastery theme, mm -hmm. right? Okay, cool. So my first pick is from 1952. So I'm going back there. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's called The Miracle of Our Lady of Fatima. Oh, my goodness. Are you joking? No, no, I didn't pick that oh, one. Oh, okay, because I was but like, if, if that's a, like no, no, another no. one. No, 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 I, I could have picked that one, uh, <laughs> but I will, uh, we'll discuss that okay. later. Go, go right ahead. <laughs> okay. You know, the sole reason why I picked this movie is because it reminds me of my grandmother, who would basically force us to watch it every Easter. Every Easter, this movie would pop up. Now, I wouldn't say this is a particularly happy movie or even uh, a movie that's hard, easy to follow, mm -mm. but it sticks out in my head as one of those things where if I'm thinking about Easter that time, it's this. So basically, um, the Lady of Fatima, Our Lady of Fatima, or let's say um, Our Lady of Guadalupe, mm. or Our Lady of Lourdes, they're all sort of the same, no, I don't want to say same and lump them in, but the, basically what they call is a Marian uh, apparition, right. which basically means different um, periods and different areas of the world have all had these visions of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So in this particular movie, it takes place in Portugal. So it is post-revolution um, time. So we're talking like, you know, post-1910, that, that area. Um, Portugal used to be a monarchy um, and a pretty powerful one at that. And so then the revolution happened and people were like, no, we want a republic. And because of that, a lot of this sort of like anti-religious um, fervor came out. So a lot of the towns and like cities, especially the capital of Lisbon, were going like super secular. They're like, hey, we don't want to do this anymore. We're going to close up churches and, and we're going to basically protest all the nuns and priests that got kind of rounded up and were, um, and this is factual by the way, uh, and jailed. And a lot of them were, were called criminals simply for practicing their faith. Um, and if you were super pie, like pious, you were, you already had like a red marker on your face kind of thing. So basically this movie tells a story of three small children who, um, basically saw the uh, apparition of the Virgin Mary and named her the Our Lady of Fatima, which 
all of these sort of coincides to their location. So, like, Guadalupe is actually a place, Lourdes is a place, blah, 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 whatever. Um, and so they get a message from her. They're in the field, and they see this thing, and they, of course, are a little bit freaked out, don't know what's going on, but then when they decide to listen, they get a message. And the message is something similar to, and if I remember correctly, um, on the 13th day of every month, come to this area and tell me about your, like, you know, your woes and about the 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 people's townsfolks, you know, sad is in troubles. I mean, cause the, that area was actually still quite devout. And so they're kind of an outlier amongst places like Lisbon who were like, no, we're done with Christ and all that. So what happens when someone says something that's out of the ordinary, people don't believe them. People treat them horribly. I mean, one of the children's mothers actually like sort of, um, emotionally and verbally abused her, like just said, no, you know what, you're, you're insane. You don't know what you're talking about. And then there are of course the people that start to believe them. And then that gains momentum. And then, you know, every month on the 13th, people are coming to visit this area. And so in that process, this apparition sort of, um, I don't know, I guess quantifies her, her being or qualifies it by saying, Hey, you know, the end of the war is coming. So this is of course around world war one. Um, you know, there's going to be more sorrow, but it will come to an end. And then of course, if you keep sinning as a humanity, you know, it will happen again. And of course what happened 30 years later, world war two. Courage, faith, understanding. These were their only weapons and they were forged in the simple hearts of three children who found in this quiet meadow in Fatima, Portugal, something so wonderful, so inspiring, so powerful, that it made men with guns tremble before children with truth. These children are liars. This is a colossal swindle. It's a crime against the state to report a miracle. Yes, they called it a crime so they could conceal their own crimes. They called it a lie so they could sell their lives. But all the forces of darkness couldn't smother the flame of this enduring story. And to this day, the wonder of it brings millions to Fatima to share in its glowing promise. Now that story comes to you in a motion picture of indescribable beauty to capture you with its great human warmth, its dramatic conflict, its emotional fire. Tell them you lied. I didn't lie, Mama. It's the truth. The truth. I'll teach you the truth. I can't say it. It reminded me of that, like, weird Bible. Not weird. Sorry, people. But that's that Bible story of where Jesus is on a hill and he, like, feeds people with one fish and one loaf of bread and all that kind of thing. All these people rush to um, this area on one particular 13th day of the month. And it's called, I believe, the Miracle of the Sun. And it was torrentially downpouring like cats and dogs and ferrets like it was pretty bad and all of a sudden this people claim to have seen this apparition uh who parted the clouds and the sun shined and then people who were sickly and whatever suddenly healed and it's this whole big thing and it really begs the uh questioning of like the scientific mind of like can this many people make something up. I mean, we're talking about like 40,000 people there at this time. Can that many people make up the, the, the same thing? Can that many people like rehearse the same story and to get them to such a degree where they all make sense or they all sound similar, you know? Um, some people, of course, uh, you know, they blame it on, on what you can know, like, so water poisoning and stuff in the ground and too much nitrogen in the flowers and all that kind of stuff. But basically this movie is a, um, one of those movies that has like sort of a a throwback. That's always, um, the narrator who is actually one of the children who became a nun, uh, is telling the story of herself and the, and her two cousins who are younger than her in flashbacks. And so it goes from sort of modern day, well, at that time, modern day, uh, into like black and white montages, but essentially the two children, um, the two younger children, I think the name was Jacinta and um, I can't remember, maybe Fernando, Francisco, something of that nature. Uh, and they were told by this apparition, like, hey, you're going to pass away young. And then they both died of influenza. And actually, that influenza outbreak is pretty well known, like, historically, because it wiped out, like, a lot of people in the world. But basically, that is the retelling of, you know, a supposedly factual event, Um yeah, it, it it was a good movie in the sense that I, en- I enjoyed the historical aspect of it. It was very hard to follow, especially watching it in my adult years as opposed to being a small Amanda, because 
I didn't understand the mechanics then of what was going on. I just kind of thought, oh, cool, there's this cool lady. You know, it didn't really register to me that someone is trying to portray some really important biblical figure. But now the the filming was... Um, it's super grainy, and I don't know if that's because the copy I found was that way or if it's just filmed that way. I mean, it was the 50s. Uh, but it was a good movie in in the sense that I walked away from it... Uh, with the idea that something like that could happen and not for gain, not for like personal, um, uh, I don't even know, um, qualifications of something that I believed in. So I think overall the movie was, uh, quite well made, uh, for the fifties. It was actually directed by a man called John Brom. And in the research I did, he actually did quite a bit of like monster movies, <laughs> which is interesting. That is weird. Considering most people call, you know, Easter zombie Jesus day. I don't know anybody that calls it that. Oh, well, let me enlighten you. People do that. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, that's the end of the enlightenment. But, um, <laughs> he, uh, directed also something called the mad magician, which was a 3d movie hmm. in the fifties, like 1954, which you got to figure um, it obviously couldn't have been that great, but it's still pretty amazing for then. It also stars someone called Sherry Jackson, and I think she was pretty well-known for some other movies uh, into her adulthood, but um, she's also really well-known for marrying someone who then unfortunately passed away, and she tied something up in court to get money, and I don't know. But uh, basically, that's essentially it. Um, come back to modern day now, too, the two small children actually have been canonized. So they are saints. The um, older woman, the other cousin who is a nun, she's called a, I think she's called a servant of God, which is basically in the process of becoming like canonized. I, I don't actually know those terms, but basically you go through like trials. Like someone says, cool, you're a good person. You are pious. You know, you're going to become a saint at some point and you know, whatever. Um, but the two kids are the patron saints of uh, bodily ills, which makes sense. They died of influenza. Mm -hmm. And also the protection of those who are ridiculed for their piety. So, it, yeah, I mean, it it was Easter eat enough to me. And I know it's sort of a heavy topic, but I think if you watch it just in terms of the movie making and in terms of like the uh, impressive nature of the story, you, you, you will feel something. And I think it's worth watching. Um, IMDb thinks so, too. Because they gave it a 6.9. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Metacritic didn't really have a rating, so, you know, whatever. But Rotten Tomatoes gave it an 83%. And that is an mm. audience vote, but, I mean, it's still pretty high up yeah. there. Um, I'm, I'm probably going to give it, like, a like a 7.5. Wow. Because, okay. yeah, like, it wasn't a bad movie. And while I don't feel that I need to be thrown in the throes of religion, it was good to watch. Um, you can get it free as of this recording, because it is someone did upload it on YouTube. You can rent it for three ninety nine on Vudu, Amazon Prime, and Apple iTunes, but you can also buy it for fourteen ninety nine on Apple. Nice. So not too many choices for viewing, but check it out on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So it is so interesting to me that you picked this movie. <laughs> Why? Because this ties in directly oh, yeah? to my first pick. <laughs> so to give you a little bit of background here, I am a Catholic school survivor. <laughs> Okay. Throughout my entire grade school experience, I was in a private Catholic school. Ouch. We're talking blazers, Uniforms. ties, oh. short shorts yeah. uh, <laughs> during the wintertime, which was not fun. Uh. Uh, yeah, the whole nine yards. Did you get smacked with a, like a yardstick or something? No, but I did. Uh, you know, we were taught by nuns. Right. And we had what I called the four sisters of the apocalypse. <laughs> Uh, Sisters Mary, War, Famine, Pestilence, and Death. And yes. I had one, one of them, uh, had this elaborate, ornate ring on one of her fingers. All right. And she would dig it into your skull. Ooh. Like, like, like this, a cardinal's ring or something? Yeah, yeah, like this will stimulate your brain. It's like, wow. uh, no, it won't. It just makes me angry at the church. <laughs> yeah. So uh, as a survivor of, <clears throat> of Catholic school, you know, I... I there was a lot, of course, a lot of things that went on, you know, as far as, you know, religious indoctrination goes. Sure. Yeah. And one of those things was, interestingly, was almost an annual viewing of Our Lady of Fatima. <laughs> no way. No, I'm serious. <laughs> wow. Yeah, they would play it for us all the time. Wow. Yeah, so we would all have an assembly, and mm -hmm. they would show 
the movie to us right. on a regular basis. Wow. And so I remember that vividly. Yeah. And it yeah. freaked me out, too. Yeah, it was a bit a bit creepy. And the ending kind of freaked me out because apparently they had these messages. Yes. That they could, and one of them they couldn't open until such and such a time. Yeah. And only the Pope could do it or whatever. Yeah. It, and that always freaked me out. I was like, oh, what is the final message? Right. And I, and, and I remember they did open it up. And I forget what it said, but it was like very, you know, very anticlimactic. Oh, wow. So I was like, no, all right, then, fine. So much for that. Uh, but how this ties into my first pick mm. is this movie that, I, that I'm bringing up was another film that uh, we watched in Catholic school. All right. And this was uh, 1979. Mm. So they took us on a little bit of a field trip to a local movie theater. Okay. Where they played uh, this movie titled simply... Jesus. Are you kidding? No. No, no, no. That was the title of the film. It was just Jesus. All right. Okay. Now, in recent times, they have kind of retitled the film a little bit called, and now it's uh, called The Jesus Film, oh. which doesn't seem all that much better to oh, me. Yeah, yeah. The Jesus Film. Mm. You know, it's like, oh, there are so many films about Jesus, but this is the, the Jesus Film. Jesus Film. That, that seems a bit pious <laughs> to me. Or a sus bias. What does that mean? Like kind of like suspicious, but like suspicious. Oh, okay. I'm turning your microphone off now. But uh, this film, uh, to me, was very uh, enlightening as as a depiction of Jesus's life. Hmm. Because in the past, or before this film, most of these were like these big kind of elaborate... Uh, passion plays mm. where everything was overdrawn and overwrought and the acting was over the top and Jesus was portrayed as some, uh, you know, perfect glowing person you couldn't touch or get near. And it was just like, oh, Charleston Heston. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. So those kinds of movies. But this one was the first that I had ever seen. And I was a kid mm. where Jesus was portrayed like a regular kind of guy. He wasn't like, he wasn't this untouchable thing. He was a person. Right. A first. You know, right. he was like a human being first who laughed and who like, you know, had moments of anger, but was, you know, uh, kind and all that. And that really kind of opened my eyes a little bit. This child is chosen by God. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has chosen me to bring good news to the poor in his name. The message of repentance and the forgiveness of sins must be preached to all nations. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. How happy are those who hear the word of God and obey it. And it was also the fact that the film was uh, very period accurate. It was shot in Palestine. Oh. And they, um, they did away with a lot of the kind of cliché uh, aspects of other representations of Jesus's life. For example, you know, we all know the, the painting of the last supper, sure. Da Vinci, mm -hmm. uh, and they're all sitting at one side of the table for some weird reason. Uh, but they actually, according to, you know, the, uh, records of the time or, you know, the, the way that, that, that probably would have happened. They would all have been sitting on the floor eating. Yeah. And that's how they portrayed it in this movie. So it was a more naturalistic sure. type of depiction, which I was blown away by. I was like, wow, this is actually kind of relatable. Right. Because when you're a kid, you know, religion is this, like, big, giant, towering thing hovering over you. Right. Yeah. You know, and they make you go to confession when you're eight years old. What are you supposed to say? <laughs> you know, uh, uh, you make stuff up. I had to make stuff up. Yeah. Because uh, I've only been like, once. Yeah, like, oh, I said something bad to my parents. Okay, how many Hail Marys do I have to say for that? <laughs> but that was kind of, um, it, it was interesting. But this um, film took primarily from the Gospel of Luke, mm -hmm. which is, by all accounts, the most complete sure. telling yeah. of the story. And it followed it you know, pretty accurately, even maybe to the point of even a little monotony. It was oh. a little, it was a little almost too straightforward in some ways because you were like, eh. you know, this is kind of goes on and on a little bit. Right. But I really, really enjoyed the, uh, the depiction of Jesus and the acting overall was really good. 
And it, it, it had a decent budget for that time. It was like $6 million. Oh, wow. And like 79 was That's a huge. lot of money. Yeah. And I, I watched this with, you know, kind of like, okay, I can, you know, I can relate you to this guy. You were receptive to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, in, in this movie, the Jesus is more like the dude from The Big Lebowski than anything else. He abides. That's right, you know. <laughs> Man, this, I love that movie. This prayer shawl really ties the room together. <laughs> But yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, and, and oddly enough, and this, this blew my mind when I was doing the research for this, uh, the New York Times actually said that this, this film could very well be the most watched movie of all time. What? Yeah. And, and they, they said that because the film has been translated into over 300 languages and have been shown in churches around the world, including places like China. Oh, wow. A lot of people have seen this movie, apparently. So they say they said it was probably one of the most watched films ever, just simply because of the 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 you know the distribution. That's kind of cool. But I thought, yeah, okay, yeah. that that does you know when you when you qualify it that way, yeah, that does make more sense than just saying, oh, everybody's seen this. Well, right, right. You know, if everybody's you were in church, seen Batman. If you're if you're a cat, good Catholic, you may have seen this, <laughs> even though that's you know, yeah. I'm not going to debate that term. Uh, I could. We're going to lose followers. Stop. <laughs> well, if they're followers. Well, okay, never mind. Know, <laughs> we don't want to have a, we don't want to have a problem with that, do we? No. So that is, and, and it covers everything from basically Jesus' birth to his crucifixion. You know, I actually kind of would appreciate something like that. Yeah. Because I, I can see it being like a, a sort of a documentary almost. Kind of, yeah, because it did, it did feel... Not as down to earth as something like that could be. Right, right. You know, even the more fantastical elements of the story were were dealt with. I think in a, in a much more naturalistic way. Right. And I and I, as a kid, I approved of that because I was like, wow, now this is not this lofty thing that's untouchable and that I don't really understand. Right. It made it feel more real to me. Mm-hmm. So I, I appreciated it on that level. Sure. Now, as far as the scores go, it's got a 7.1 out of 10 on the Internet Movie Database. It's got nearly 2,000 ratings on there. Okay. It is available to rent on Amazon Prime Video for $1.99 and iTunes and, Play, and the PlayStation Store for $2.99. And it may be... Under the new title, The Jesus Film. So if you are interested in looking at this, uh, that may be, you know, because if you just type up Jesus, a lot of stuff's going to come yeah. up. But The Jesus Film should bring you the results that you are looking for. And I think that we is my left first it as Jesus. Yeah. But, yeah. But you weren't there during the creative meeting, so like, I guess we can Like, like Superman. You know. Yeah. Like The Superman. Yeah. Because it's more than one. <laughs> well, now. Yeah, fair enough. Back then, it was well, just Well, you know, actually, I don't hate that pick. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, and I will admit, you know, I <clears throat> I still have the psychological scars from Catholic school. Well, I'm quite lucky that my parents, when I was around 11, gave me the choice, either CCD or sports. I chose sports. Oh, okay. My grandmother was not happy. Mm, yeah. But, yeah, you know. Um, so good pick. Thank you. I'm gonna let, let me take it. Let me take you into my uh, my second pick here. Okay. Kay. So, um, my first pick was sort of unfamiliar territory for me, right? Sure. Um, and I decided that I needed to find something more relatable, as it were. Okay. So I started thinking to myself, what's more eastery than you know bunnies and, and eggs? Sure. Right. Yeah. Well, as I explained earlier, there's just so many movies about bunnies. And I thought I could do Watership Down, but that's depressing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Don't you want to bring people Good down. movie, but depressing. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. I heard the book was fantastic, but I haven't read it yet. And isn't there a Netflix series based on it? Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I, it's not in my list. Can't okay. do it. So, okay. What am I left with then? Eggs. So I said, okay, cool. What can I do about eggs? Hmm. Well, I'm thinking relatable. So I know a lot about omelets, but I also know a lot about dinosaur eggs. Oh, so here we go. Here's my uh, my second pick here for you. Um, I mean, I'm not opposed to eggs for breakfast, but everything I, I found was sort of like centered around PETA. And I was like, we can't transcribe that to audio. It's just not fun. <laughs> so here's what I'm going with. 1993's Pre-Hysteria. Coming this summer. Attention. Attention, please. 
the world premiere. You ain't seen nothing yet. Of an action-filled family adventure. Behold, I give you prehistoric life. <laughs> it's a story of two kids. One huge discovery. You must have been frozen in those eggs for ages. And a lovable bunch of prehistoric pets. The biggest terrestrial carnivore that ever lived. Guess we got the runs of the litter. There's Madonna, Paula, Hammer, Jagger, and of course... Say howdy. He just got kissed on the tush by the king. Elvis. They're heroes from another time in an adventure for all ages. Where are my babies? Where are my babies? Prehysteria. Exclusively on video cassette. And yes, if you're thinking 1993 sounds familiar, that is when the beloved movie Jurassic Park came out. Do not get me started, but if we can have an episode... It will be our highest rated. I can guarantee it. Judge, uh, can we get a ruling on this pick? Is there? <laughs> okay, wait. <laughs> All right. They're... Okay, they'll allow it. They'll allow it. But, you I mean, know. eggs. It, the, the only tie it has is really eggs. But basically, here we go. So there's a museum curator. He's down in the jungles of South America, and he's traversing around, and he finds a forbidden temple. And no, not the TV show Legends of the Hidden Temple. I love that TV show, though. Wish we would bring it back. Um, he finds what he thinks are these spherical rocks, picks them up, and ooh, they might be eggs. What do I do with them? Well, he brings them back to wherever he's from, some museum in some metropolitan area. And uh, lo and behold, you know, this family comes in trotting along with their little dog, and and the dog decides, well, I'm going to pick one of these things up and bring it home. So he brings it home, and the little kid, who happens to be Austin O'Brien, who you might know from My Girl 2, he was the oh yeah, yeah. the little love interest, yeah, um, uh, you know, brings it to the little kid, and the kid's watching over them, and guess what? All of a sudden, something happens. Oh. Like eggs do, they start hatching. And bam, hilarity ensues. So the this museum curator found all these eggs in one area which suggests they're from the same dinosaur right they dinosaurs lay in like sort of eggs most of them do in little little sort of hatchling areas um but no we're treated to something different in fact when they hatch we get a brachiosaurus one of my favorite seropods ever oh sure yeah yeah yeah. uh we get a t-rex why wouldn't you have one they're the most famous yeah yeah one could argue but yeah uh a chasmosaurus I don't know what that is. Well, it's a ceratopsid, so it's like more like a. It's in the family of triceratops in that kind of area, you know. Ceratops. Yeah, Greek. I'm sorry. Okay, okay, anyways, um, a stegosaurus and a geosternbergia, which, to be fair, isn't actually a dinosaur. It's uh, like a pterosaur, which most people can like consider a pterodactyls. Well, everything that flies, but it's not a dinosaur. But for, for the purposes of this, I will allow it because I am kind like that. So, which one of them were on the Flintstones? Oh, that's a good question. To be honest, I have never seen the Flintstones. All right, let's continue now before I get upset. Yeah, sorry about that. So, um, yeah, basically, so uh, the kid finds the eggs. He has to return them. People are trying to steal them. It's this whole thing. And it actually spawned two sequels, by the way, two very bad, bad sequels. But I will say that it's quite funny that the kid in the movie is trying to protect them because he believes that there are, like, like rights of the people who owned that, like, ooh, sorry, I got excited, that uh, cave or whatever. <laughs> so, but it's really interesting because nowadays there is a huge debate in the States about, you know, fossil rights versus mineral rights. If fossils are just minerals, do they fall into the mineral rights or do they fall into like the land rights? And it's a whole big thing. But I will say that this movie was really bad and really funny and it involved eggs. So it kind of counts. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, every time you crack open an egg for an omelet, just think of how many millions of years of reproductive evolution that took from dinosaurs. I mean, chickens pretty much are dinosaurs. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Very, very tasty dinosaurs. Yep, 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 yep. Delicious. So, um, the scores. You, as you can imagine, or you might even be surprised, they weren't that great. Mm, yeah. Shocking. Uh, IMDb gives it a very low 4.1. Ooh. Uh, Metacritic didn't have any reviews. Oh. 
<laughs> Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 38%. Yeesh. I'm giving it a 6.0 because it has dinosaurs You're in it. You're very generous. Yeah, I'm very kind of that. It is, believe it or not, free right now on the Tubi app. Ooh. If you have a subscription to Amazon Prime Video, also free. Wow. You can rent it for $3.99 on Amazon. You can also buy it for $9.99 on Amazon. 10 bucks. Yeah. Uh. Well, listen, I think that anything to do with dinosaurs is worth watching at least once or a hundred times. Okay. There's a bit of a range. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's my second pick. Nice. Nice. Yeah, surprised okay. you with that one. I, you did actually. You did actually. So you went full on egg. Yep. Eggs. I went the opposite direction and went full on bunny. Oh, okay. Now, I'm not one for the syrupy, sweet Peter Cotton, like you said, Peter Cottontail, yeah. Easter Bunny, nah. things like that. So I had to really sort of dig down deep, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. a bunny would, yeah. to yeah. get to the carrots yeah. and the turnips and the other root vegetables. And I have to say, when it comes to scary movies, oh. some of the most intensely scary movies out there deal with sort of nature run amok. Right? <laughs> yeah. And mostly due to man's interference with the natural order of it's things. It's such a shame, but it's true. Yes. This is not one of those movies. No. Oh, okay. So my pick <clears throat> is the 1972 garbage fest known as Night of the Lepus. What? That's right. Night of the Lepus. What happened? That night science made its greatest mistake. What unknown terror was born that night? What is the terrifying mutant that strikes from behind the shroud of night? That night, that night of the Lepus. Now, I'm going to stress this fact before I talk about this movie. It is not a comedy. (laughs) Keep this in mind when I describe it. Someone, somewhere, thought this was a good idea for a horror movie. So what happens is, a rancher is trying to find a non-lethal way of ridding his property of invasive pests, right? Because you have pests. Like bunnies, I guess? Like bunnies, exactly. And so there's no, in this ranch, all the coyotes are gone. So there's no natural predators Sure. for these rabbits. So they're basically going all over the place, eating the farmers, you know, food and, and all that stuff. Reproducing right? like rabbits do. Yeah. So one of these, uh, one of these pests is injected with a serum that is designed to uh, mess with the reproductive cycle. Aww. Not to harm the rabbits, right? But just to kind of keep them in check. doesn't do that. <laughs> Instead, it turns these rabbits into giant murderous killer bunnies. Right? Yeah, yeah. I could not have predicted that. Now, here's the thing. I don't care who you are. <laughs> I don't. Rabbits aren't scary. No. They're just not. Even giant rabbits. Oh, those are so cute. They're like ten times as cute. I know. Because they're giant. They're so cute in their big ears. And watching them trample over um, toy villages <laughs> in slow motion. Gives me a certain kind of pleasure. It does. Yeah. And that's basically what this movie is about. <laughs> Lepus is basically a scientific term for rabbit. Right. The original title of the film was Rabbits. <laughs> but then they thought, nobody's going to take this seriously, so we'll give it a new name. Yeah. And guess what? Nobody took it seriously anyway, oh, because it's a movie about giant rabbits terrorizing people and attacking them and eating them. <laughs> now, like I said, someone thought this was a good idea. It wasn't. Trust me. It's not scary. It's dumb. All right? These cute little cuddly rabbits murdering townspeople. Uh, I, I, I don't get it. I'm glad I watched it because it's silly and it's dumb and it's goofy and I like that kind of stuff. Right. So 
Here's the deal. There's even some really good actors in this movie, and they do a really terrible job. So if you are old like me, you may recognize some of these names. Uh, Stuart Whitman. Janet Leigh from Psycho was in this movie. 1950, 1950s Western horror movie star, star Rory Calhoun, right? And the one you will probably all recognize, Dr. Bones McCoy, DeForest Kelly from Star Trek. So, I mean, this was like, that was like sort of like the, the B-movie cast from hell. I've never known or yeah. heard of any of those people. And that's, <clears throat> that's just on you. Uh, but yeah, so this is like a genuinely bad movie. That never should have been made in the first place. Sure. But, you know, what are you going to do with giant rabbits? <laughs> They're not scary. I know. In any way. You can't make them scary. Well, in my honorable mention, we might actually discuss that. Okay. We might have a counterpoint. All right, then. All right, then. So uh, let's get to the scores. The scores. 4.1 out of 10 mm. on the Internet Movie Database. Yeah. But the Rotten Tomatoes score... You ready for this? Yeah. Eight percent. Just eight. Eight. <laughs> Just eight. Who are those people <laughs> that gave it eight percent? I'm assuming psychiatric patients. Uh, yeah. Or rabbit lovers. It, yeah. One true. Or the other. True, true. True, true. But as far as that goes, it is a fascinating train wreck to watch because of just how dumb it is. <laughs> and you're like, who thought this was a great idea? I don't know, but they were probably fired and fed to giant rabbits. Oh, yeah. Which is good. So now you had an honorable mention. I do. I got a couple. First one, Steel Magnolias. And so why is that? the ending scene is all about Easter. They're in an Easter park and, you know, someone's dressed up in a giant bunny costume and all of a sudden someone goes into labor. Okay. Yeah, so that's that's that. But my second and probably better pick is Wallace and Gromit and the Were Rabbit. Oh. I love okay. Wallace and Gromit. It's so fun. It's by Ardman Studios, so Claymation and whatnot, but they're really good at it. They also did um, Chicken Run, if you remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Chicken yeah, Run, yeah, yeah I remember yeah, yeah. that. Um, basically, they got to figure out why these giant rabbits are, uh, or why this giant thing happens to be a giant rabbit is terrorizing the town. So cute. Okay. Yeah, but that's pretty much it for, like, Picks, I think. Okay. Um, did you have any shout-outs? As a matter of fact, I do. Funny oh. you should ask that. <laughs> we didn't rehearse that at all. No, not so, at all. Uh, there is a, a, a podcast that we that we uh, that we like, uh, the friends of the show, and the podcast is called "Have You Ever Seen?" And it's actually a kind of a really cool concept. They have this wheel. They spin a wheel. There's four guys. And whoever, uh, whoever's picked by the wheel has to choose a movie for the others to watch. So it's basically, have you ever seen this movie? Right. And then they watch it and gather to discuss it. Yeah. Which I think is a great idea. Uh, the guy, the four guys, uh, they're, they're British. Uh, they're funny. And they have a really, really good time. Yeah. And sometimes the conversation goes off the rails, but you don't mind because you can tell that they're really... We have no experience in that. Inge- no, no. Because we're, we're very sedate. We are. We're very sedate people. We're, we stay on point. Scripted. On tat... Well, I don't no. know, maybe you do. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I just show up. Uh, but if you are interested in listening to the Have You Ever Seen podcast, you can head over to their site at Have You Ever Seen dot buzzsprout b-u-z-z-s-p-r-o-u-t dot com very cool you like that their latest episode is about the highlander series too yeah yeah it was pretty good i haven't seen it but it was it sounded good yeah one of their one of the episodes i like they talked about a movie called the big bus which (laughs) i am shocked anybody else but me knows Uh, they used to run it on cable constantly in the 80s and it's a parody of disaster movies that takes place on a giant luxury bus a luxury bus. A luxury bus. Yeah, it's oh. hilarious. Oh, so it's like the prequel to Speed. Kind of, but with more, but with intentional laughs. And no Keanu. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So okay. There you go. Yeah, they're pretty yeah. cool guys. Yeah, check them out. They are. So I would, I would highly uh, recommend if you like this podcast, and if you do, I don't know what's wrong with you. Uh, <laughs> check that out. So. Very cool. All right. Anything else for us? Are you good? I got a couple. I just want to say thanks to Justin. He's a good friend of our yes. show. Mm-hmm. He talks to us um, very frequently, gives us some advice, and always gives us some great feedback. Yep. Also, thanks to Travis and Dave, who I just found out recently are listening. Yes, absolutely. So we have nearly 
with that, doubled our listener base. We're at six. Oh, we're, head, we're getting up there. I'm telling you, pretty soon we'll, we'll get into the double digits. Mm-hmm. I'm hopeful. Yeah. So, well, you know, we'll, we'll be optimistic about that. <laughs> so, yeah. So, let's talk about next time. Ooh, all right? Doo, 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 doo. Next time, Amanda and I rock out with our favorite uh, rockumentaries. Okay. Okay. So, you're going to join us as we talk about music that we can't afford the rights to. <laughs> so, you won't actually be hearing it. Yeah. We'll just be talking about it. Isn't that fun? Yeah. What do they say? Is it like a... Uh, uh, ASMR experience? No, we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> but it's like they, with the, the old thing... hilarious. Dancing about architecture. That's a, like the talking about music or is like dancing about Dan- architecture. The, the dancing with men with hats? No, that's a safety dance. Oh, okay. Safety Which we have to practice, by the way, because we're down here. Yeah, fair enough. It's a safety dance. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So for those of you who are still listening... <clears throat> <laughs> Stay tuned for Go Tell It on the Fountain, the only podcast dedicated entirely to the subject of drinking fountains. Uh, This week, your hosts, Susie and Joe, make fun of people from Massachusetts and Rhode Island for calling drinking fountains bubblers. (laughs) That's what it is. No, 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 no. It's a drinking fountain, not a bubbler. Bubbler. It's a bubbler. Michael Bubbler. (laughs) Bubbly. All right, let's wrap this up. All righty. All right, you ready? Yeah. All right, here we go. In three, two, two one. Dinosaurs are best. Oh, oh you did yeah. that? That was nice. Yeah. That was good. One day. One day we will get it. We'll retire this awful segment. <clears throat> See you next week. Bye. Special thanks to Spirits of the Symphonic and Echo Craft for our amazing theme music. Links to both artists can be found on our website, the Deep Dive Podcast. .podbean.com If you like us, you can subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, Overcast, or wherever fine podcasts are found. The Deep Dive Podcast is a production of Automaton Media. Oh, here's an Easter egg that crazy rabbit forgot to deliver. If you want anything done, you have to do it yourself.